0: Now, let's delve into some Blunt Business with your host, Sean Eubanks.
1: Thanks for joining us, and welcome to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, Vice President of Strainwise Consulting. And on our show today, we have Kirk Reed, founder of Captain Kirk Edibles from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Captain Kirk is a three-time first place Cannabis Cup winner in the Edibles category with his most recent win in Michigan for his Lime and the Coconut Cake. After replacing pharmaceuticals with edibles, Kirk has improved his health, lost weight, and effectively managed his multiple sclerosis. Cannabis-infused foods have also helped him cope with an ongoing series of hernia surgeries. During one MS attack, a local marijuana compassion club gave him a marijuana muffin to help ease the pain. The hospital called him a drug seeker because he had THC in his system and kicked him out after his health insurance policy ran out. Despite his afflictions, he runs a small, successful bakery and professional, uh, personal chef business in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Inspired by how medical marijuana relieves his suffering and helps him avoid addictive pharmaceutical painkillers and sleep aids, Kirk has vowed to help other patients going through similar struggles. He is a graduate of Oaksterdam University, mentored by Ed Rosenthal and a certified OU instructor, teaching infusion and extraction techniques. He's also a member of Normal. And Americans for Safe Access, and is in high demand traveling across the country to speak and teach. Captain Kirk, welcome to the show, my friend.
0: Thank
2: you. Thank you very much. Very kind words.
1: Yeah, well, so you and I met at the World uh, Cannabis Conference in Pittsburgh. I heard you speak very, you were on a couple of panels there. You did an outstanding job, and I thought I would love to have this gentleman on the show. Um, Just uh, you have a compelling story. Um, an unbelievable um, adventure you've been through managing your own med- own pain and uh, your diagnosis with multiple sclerosis in 2004. Um, so much to get into. So um, yeah, let's just start, Kurt. Just kind of tell me, um, I know you've done a podcast before uh, with Kyle Cushman, Outstanding Judge, and you've got a little bit in your background. And I'd love to talk about more of the entrepreneurial side today and And successes and failures in your business and recommendations that way. So obviously you got in this business because you had um, a need to medicate yourself. But is there any other reason why and how you came about founding Captain Kirk Edibles?
2: Uh, The main reason I got into it is at the time, I'd been through a lot of surgeries. I was on a lot of medications, OxyContin, all kinds of things. I kind of basically overdosed on a couple bottles of OxyContin. Um, That's basically how I got into it. Then I ended up in the hospital after years of going to Compassion Clubs. Back then, before, one of the very first dispensaries that was open on the East Coast was in Ypsilanti, Michigan, called Third Coast. And back then, before then, we were actually, they were compassion clubs that actually met at libraries, and that's where the old farmers taught each other tricks and traded strains and clones, and those were actually the ways that started before then. And the president of that foundation back then, I was Sergeant at Arms, was a gentleman by the name of Doug Orton, and he is the one that brought the edible to me in the hospital. And they cut me off everything. And that edible had helped me. I got relief from it when he gave it to me. I woke up the next morning with a note saying, "Hey brother, I'm, I'm glad that edible helped you. You know, glad you got some sleep." And I said, from then and there on, that's what I wanted to do. I would than all the other things because all the other medications that I'd been taking had caused diverticulitis and pancreatitis, and parts of my intestines needing to be removed. And you know, I've 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 had a lot of a uh, lot of surgeries because of pain pills. And not all of that I do blame on the doctors. Some of it, once you do get hooked to them, you know, it's not really their fault. You want them bad enough, you'll get them. It's like anything else. But um, I'm glad it's something I went through. And at that point in time, the doctors had told me, if you don't sign a paper saying that you will no longer use cannabis, we're no longer going to give you these medications. And that's when they had sent me home. And I actually went through horrible, horrible withdrawal but I used cannabis I made it through months later after that when I go back to the doctors they're like sir you know you could have died from that you know um, why did you do that and I said I was calling you folks but you guys wouldn't answer the phone or return any of my phone calls so I no longer really went back to those kind of doctors I just made it through uh, with cannabis different techniques and and everything and edibles is something that I use a lot especially MS pain and and um, all the other surgeries that I've gone through. So that's pretty much the story in a nutshell, right there.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that with us. You, when you first got hospitalized and you first came, you discovered the edible. There was that for MS. You were in the hospital for MS at that time.
2: Yes, I was having an attack at that time, and that's when they were like, "Look, you know, you're you're here as a drug seeker. When your insurance runs out of here in forty eight hours, you're out of here." sure enough, when 48 hours came, they kicked my ass out of there, excuse my language, and uh, removed me from the hospital. You know, you're you're no longer under care. You don't have any benefits. And I was still going through an attack. So I went to another hospital and they took me in and, you know, and got me through what I went through. So there was a point in time in 2011 for six months. I lost my complete eyesight, everything below my waist for six months. I sat sat in the hospital. And I would say it was about seven or eight weeks after that I came out and won my first high-time cup. And um, now I'm up to four first-place high-time cups. I have two second-place and a third-place. And um, I've really uh, done well. You know, the only kind of medication I'm on right now is a blood thinner for blood clots. Other than that, I'm on no pain medication other than my medical marijuana.
1: Wonderful. I love you bring that up because there are benefits of Western medicine and except for when it doesn't work in the rare instance. And I applaud you for, you know, it's sad that you were in such a desperate situation that you had to try anything and uh, under the sun. But I, I, I do love the fact that there's a combination um, of, you know, Western medicine. You, you, the blood thinner does what it's supposed to do. And the cannabis gives you the quality of life that you're supposed to have and without the side effects from the opioids. Um, okay. So in you, in your past, and I appreciate you honestly bringing this up as well, you had, uh, drug addictions and and issues, substance abuse issues in the past. Were you taking before that hospitalization for MS, were you taking opioids or any drugs from the street at that time?
2: During that time, through my young teenage years, my early twenties and everything, I had had a, a lot of addictions to a lot of drugs as, uh, one uh, person that put it to me, pretty much a trash can junkie, that's pretty much what I was, I'd actually, um, unfortunately, had been hooked on heroin, um, pretty much anything known to man, and when I was a young kid, you know, I thought that was the cool thing to make me hang out with the cool guys, so I got into it harder and harder, and I really got in with the wrong people when I was young, and I've had a lot of ODs, and I've been there through all that, and... Very fortunate, thank God, that I've been able to quit all those bad things, and I'm very happy that I have. You know, to this day, there's some of those things that I have to pay for. Like when I go to the hospital due to my teenage years and and a lot of the addictions that I have had, um, I, I believe that some of the abuse that I did as a young kid taking all those medications, when I do go to the hospital and I need those to help me actually get through an MS attack, they don't help me like they should a normal person because i would them for years and years and I have a, a very high tolerance to those things. And um, also an unfortunate thing for me when I go to the hospital, it's the you know, last time I went into the ER, it took them like 32 pokes to get an IV in me. That's not a fun pokes. There's nobody I can complain. There's nobody I can bitch to about that. That is something I have to suffer through knowing the stupid things that I did as a young man, and I have to pay for those things. And I have scars from it, and it's not a very comfortable thing, and at times it's a very painful thing, and it's hard to swallow, and um, but it is what it is.
1: Nonetheless, Kirk, your your story is inspirational. When I heard you speak on the panel in Pittsburgh, I was inspired for different reasons, just the fact that you took the bull by the horn, people in this industry, introduced you know, them to the cannabis and, and alleviate real pain. I certainly appreciate your vulnerability here on the show today and talking about your addiction. But just to be clear, so you're you're completely off of heroin, you're completely off of any of those drugs, and you've managed to do that, and that in itself is an achievement. You're, you're completely clean, correct?
2: I've been on heroin since January 7th of 1987.
1: okay. Wonderful, because it's an an epidemic, as you know. It is a pharmaceutical, uh, whether it is, is let's just agree that it's unintended consequences that these opioids and these lower grade levels of heroin are are available on the street. It's an introduction um, to a lot of people. Um, It's an easy market, Uh, black market that has formed, obviously, that's just well documented. Um, but what an incredible, uh, testimonial you have for, for having kicked that. So congratulations on that. Would you, do you have any recommendations here in this first segment of the show? And we, we get to spend an hour with you and I'm grateful for that. Do you have any recommendations right now for anyone listening? Who's trying to kick a heroin addict, uh, addiction or, uh, to segue into, uh, cannabis? Is that in your mind a first step or should they just seek treatment elsewhere or a combination of both or what's your recommendation?
2: Maybe a combination of both. The sad thing is right now, going and seeking treatment, they're not really going to use cannabis to help you because they're not educated about it yet. There's also the scheduling thing like that, so there is no federal health to help them give you any kind of cannabis inside any kind of treatment facility. Now, I could be wrong about that, but I'm talking about anything that I've ever seen, you know, where they're doing the, the 12-step program or anything like that. I don't know of any facility. That you can go to to get off heroin just using the um, you know, using cannabis in there. The sad thing I gotta tell folks definitely, the best thing that I can tell you is seek out someone that you trust, whether it be a family member, a best friend, uh, maybe a, a you know, a priest or someone that you trust, or, or I don't know, whoever it is you may trust in your life, or whatever, someone's got somebody. And if you don't have somebody, still the best suggestion I can say is reach out, go seek help. Please don't go through what I had to go through on your own. Um, I'm very fortunate. After you know making it through that, I'm I'm fortunate to live through eight ODs in my life that I've been through using hard drugs. Um, a lot of people are not that lucky, and I and it's not a bit buy or anything heroic or a movie or anything i i don't feel that way i just i just again if you were to ask me the best thing i can tell you again is go seek help find someone that you trust have them take you go through it and then when you get out you know the hardest thing was for me was going you know i can't ever use cannabis again i can never walk into a bar according to the 12-step program and that was really hard for me now i spent seven years of my life working in the bar and that's actually where the name captain kirk came from back in oklahoma a long time ago, when I went through broadcasting school, because the teacher had said, "Is your name Kirk or Kirk?" No, it's Kirk like Captain Kirk, and he was like, "Well, that's your name right there." So I spent <laughs> about seven years on the, the country radio in, in Oklahoma, fighting in a bar and and doing all that because the people that owned the radio station also owned the club. But again, it's it's nothing cool to go by, and, and that's my best suggestion: is go seek help. Please don't go through what I went through, and um, if you can't find anyone out there to help you i uh my best suggestion is there's- there's a lot of phone numbers. I wish I had one available on me and i I would tell you to give you one, but you could go to a if you're really that bad and and I'll tell you again, folks, if you're listening how it happened to me, you know I was so sick at the point in time i I did what they called a roller coaster no deed on that. When I went into the hospital, my left arm there, they were looking at going to amputate. It's kind of about like when you're drunk, you know, you fall to the floor and you're praying, dear God, you know, I'll never do this again. Please save me, you know. And to make a long story short, they walked back in, Mr. Reed, we're going to be able to save your arm. And by the time it got all done, they let me out of the hospital. I went back home. And, um, you know, I forgot to tell you during that time I was O.D. when they told me I was going to lose my arm. And I went back home after they let me out of the hospital and I pulled the same rig out of the trash can and did it again and fish flopped again and fish flopped. when I'm talking about that is looks like a fish out of water. And, uh, you know, I OD'd again. And it was that point in time, that point when I reached my lowest point and said, you know, wow, I'm a sick son of a gun. And that, that was the last time I ever did it. So that was January 7th of 87. And that's what it took for me. Um, and luckily I still have my arm. And, uh, again, I'm just a very fortunate man to been through what I've been through. And I I just hope people don't go that way. So again, if you can't, if you don't have that friend, you can reach out to there's hospitals that you can walk into. It's not fun. Yeah. You're going to go through a lot of hell. Yes. It's not easy getting off it. And, uh, that's just the price you got to pay for getting addicted to something that maybe wasn't your fault, but however it happened, it happened.
1: uh, Sure. We're going to take a short break here, Kirk. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. We do need to take a quick sponsor break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blunt Business Radio. When we come come back, we're going to be talking to Kirk Reed of Captain Kirk Edibles, and we're going to talk about uh, his endorsement from Willie Nelson and meeting Tommy Chong. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business.
3: the boober
0: way. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Blunt Business on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, Vice President of Strainwise Consulting. We have been talking to Kirk Reed of Captain Kirk Edibles. Welcome back to the show, Kirk. Thank you. Thanks very much. So, So how do you feel about the laws forthcoming and what's going on in Michigan right now?
2: Kind of scared about some of the up and coming laws. You know, I'm all about recreational, please don't be any hater out there, but listen to me before you have any the hate on me. I'm all for recreational. My only part is, and again, I know it's coming, but the part that scares me from parts that I have seen of recreational really hurts the the medical. And again, this was really built on medical help bringing the cannabis forward and it truly, truly is a, a healing medicine. I've seen it do miraculous things. The, the kind of things that scare me, for example, is like when I went to Colorado, you know, I went in looking for the medicine and I was looking for the good medicine. And I was asking where the good medicine was. And they were like, well, you know, recreational is pretty much got all that taken up. And I just, I was kind of scared about that. That's just, that is a concern of mine. Some of the new laws that I'm scared about here in Michigan are really going to force out some of the little people. I mean, we all know around the country, big pharmaceutical companies are coming in, a lot of big, big swingers with big money, big backing or buying buildings and things like that. Licensing permits are coming out, you know, in, in big numbers and money to cost for those. And unfortunately, guys like me that, you know, were, you know, helped founded this, helped bring the very first dispensary, did put out the first edible. Been doing it since then put up to all the the political crap that we've had to go through whether it be with the police or you know stuff within our organizations it, it's been very hard and wearing and that does scare me that a lot of people like that like myself mom and pops that were looking at doing things like this and making good clean edibles or growing good flour or concentrates and all the topicals that they were doing in head farmers markets Those were good incomes for those folks, you know, that have been getting by and healing themselves with it, you know. And now that the big companies are coming in and everything, I'm afraid that little people like that, that were looking to sustain their incomes, you know, on on maybe having an extra few meals a day or being able to pay their electric and everything are now going to be taken away from them. So those are concerns that I'm worried about in the laws. And there's been a lot of stuff come out and there's organizations there's been a lot of backdoor deals going in and on, and uh, that's pretty much how I feel about that. I'm really worried about things like that. I'm truly for the medical side. I really want to see a lot more medical research. I, you know, There's proof in it. I mean, I've actually seen it. I could tell you we don't have enough time for me to tell you all the stories that I've seen this actually help with, not just myself, but many, many other people with all kinds of diseases and many forms of using this plant. They've all had different vehicles. Not everybody's able to smoke it. Not everybody able to vape it. You know, a lot of people are using edibles. And the good thing about this is if you're doing doing the right things, people are using this to go to work with. So these are things that I would like the government or, you know, my own governor or anyone on the new board to sit down and listen to folks like me, but they don't. They listen to the, Uh, People really have no idea what's going on. To be honest with you, you know, I would sit down and love to talk to him about packaging and what should be on there and and how it should be on there and, and what we should be looking for. And you know, I just wish they would sit down with us and discuss those kind of things. So that's my feelings pretty much about the new laws coming out here in Michigan.
1: And those laws are what? Which? what is the largest barrier to entry for the small business owner? Do you think it's just onerous um, licensing requirement fees that way to get the actual license? Or do you think once they're in business competing, how do you break that down? And where do you think the area for improvement is? And where would you like to see either a lobbying effort or a pro cannabis approach to helping small businesses? Where would you like to see that start?
2: I would like to see a lot of start there for uh, folks like myself. Again, I don't have really the income to throw down for a, and again, these numbers are speculative of of, of the numbers coming out for what it's going to cost for a production license or a grow license here. But from the numbers I've been hearing are anywhere from 10,000 to 50,000. You know, certainly can't pull that right out of my pocket. You're going to have to have a building that's zoned for it and a, and again, inside a county that agrees with you that's so many feet from another one. You know, they really don't know on that. Again, everything that we've heard has been kind of hush-hush, and that's what I was talking about, the the behind-the-closed-door thing. So we really don't know. Um, I do know Laura whenever they make their licensing thing or whenever they come out uh, for this in December, from my understanding. I really couldn't tell you what's on there except for all the gossip that I've heard here and there. I mean, they really haven't really put much out there on exactly what the fees will be. So I couldn't tell you that.
1: Okay. And then, so you had a chance to meet Willie Nelson, not only meeting, but he's endorsed. You've, you've cooked for him multiple times. You've served him, um, multiple desserts. Tell me a little bit about what it's like to meet Willie Nelson and and his family.
3: That was
2: an awesome experience, and I could thank no one other than uh, Paul Stamford out in Oregon. And actually, when I went out there to Oregon to see Paul Stamford, I ended up uh, making him one of my key lime cheesecakes. Well, Paul Stamford of the THCF Foundation, where he was at there. And he, unfortunately, went out and ate dinner somewhere and got food poisoning. Well, Willie Nelson is a very close friend of his who came in through town, and Paul's like, hey, man, I really got this... Key lime cheesecake—it's fabulous. You know he's a award winner with it, and wanted him to take it with him. And to make a long story short, Willie took it with him, and I uh, really enjoyed it. So the next time they came here to Michigan in a show, I called Paul, and uh, he made arrangements, and Willie had uh, let me in and got to meet him, and brought him a cheesecake and everything. And pretty much about the two or three more times after that, he's came, and they've given me the call, and that uh, was really nice to go. So that was really incredible. So really cool, nice man. Okay, Very so nice you've man. met,
1: you, you, you've been endorsed by Willie Nelson. You've met Tommy Chong as well. He loves your key lime, uh, as well. Where do you go for? I mean, you're already a four-time High Times Cannabis Cup award winner. If there was a High Times Hall of Fame, you'd be a first ballot entrant. What What's your goal next, Kirk? What do you want to do? I know you love serving patients and you love healing people, and this is part of what you do. But what do you? What's your goal for Captain Kirk Edibles? I mean, would you would you like to see yourself? You're already in three dispensaries in Michigan. You're pretty much a a a folk hero. I mean, you're right up there. You're well known, very popular, very famous in Michigan, frankly. What's the next step for you?
2: I would like to have my own uh, bakery. I would like to do this on an everyday label. I would like to be able to handle the roughly given number two to the 350 to 400 dispensaries here in Michigan. I would like to be in all of those. I would like to be, you know, pretty much how Dixie's Elixirs is there in Colorado, be that of Michigan. You know, I've done a lot of hard work. I really would like to get more into the sugar-free, the gluten-free stuff out there. And that was the biggest thing. Tommy hasn't really had the key lime stuff because when I was young, my first question to the man was, and before I even said hi to him, was, are you a diabetic? The man looks at me and says, wow, man, why, why would you ask me something like that? I said, well, no offense, I'm a cook, you know, and and I know people for your age, no offense, are mostly diabetics and everything like that. And he says, wow, you know, you're right, I am. So pretty much that right there, I found out he was coming to Michigan and, and got into making some diabetic stuff and also for John Sinclair. So that's also the things I would like to do. I would really like to get in. If you really wanted to know, I would like to have a kitchen. I would like to be doing testing. I would like to be looking at the medical side of this. I would like to have a lab. You know, I would like to know all the different things that this is actually doing for folks, document it. And, uh, have to, you know, I'd like to be able to do that without fear of being my door and, and guns put to my head. That's something I would like to do.
1: Excellent. Well, if I'm looking at your uh, Facebook page here and you, I, since we talked last night, you were working on Instagram, and I'm sure you've got that up and rolling. But um, what, is, what do you want people to know? I mean, you've got, you've got your key lime pie that's famous. Uh, you've won all those awards. Is there another product that you're developing right now, Captain Kirk, that you want people to know about?
2: There are many things I'm working on. One of my pr- proudest things that I, I've been working on for a long time is called uh, Mr. Stash. And that's because I spent a lot of time in the hospital. at the bad things I did as a teenager and through my young life always bring in this dash well i kept thinking wow how cool that'd be to have something medicated like that that you could take in nice and discreet so i've had a product uh, called mr stash and that's where i'm working out with it and it's something just exactly like that it's a seasoning salt it's medicated it's nice and discreet take it in a little shaker it's already fully decarboxylated so you don't have to worry about cooking it or You can add it on a salad, you could add it to an egg, you could add it to a steak, you could add it to a hamburger, you could add it to french fries, potatoes, fish, whatever it is. And, you know, I've done about three different kinds of it. I've done like a Mrs. Dash kind of version. I've done a Jamaican version and a barbecue version. And then what I call my American version, which is kind of like Mrs. Dash, but a few things different in it. And those are things that I've been working on that I'm really proud of because, again, it's nice and discreet when you take it somewhere, lightly sprinkle it on whatever you're eating and uh, go on about your day.
1: Sounds great. Well, Kirk, we're going to take a short break, everyone listening. You're listening to uh, Blunt Business on Cannabis Radio. We're sitting with Captain Kirk of Captain Kirk Edibles. If you have a chance while we're on break, look at Captain Kirk's Edibles uh, on Facebook and and prove some of the... Uh, recipes there we'll be right back
0: rolling into some sponsors but we'll be right back with more blunt business oh let the marijuana llama tell you something now about a game for your phone gonna make you say wow the game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash grow the seeds till the bud put the savings in the stash little by little your empire grows large put the vim celebrities you can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, with Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Pink, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint The business of cannabis should be no crime Hempink is even hot proofed by the man who run high times Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and IOS today Marijuana Llama out Got to tend to me on crops, you know Money don't make itself Hempink.
3: Running a successful cannabis business isn't easy. Successful businesses need to have strong people to achieve long-term results. At Live Advisors, we believe people are the heart of business, and training people can help you infinitely grow your business. Learn more about our offerings at liveadvisors.com.
0: Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome
1: back. You're listening to Blunt Business on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, VP of StrainWise Consulting. And we've been talking to Kirk Reed of Captain Kirk Edibles. Welcome back, Kirk. Thank you. All right. So um, I was at a cannabis compliance conference in Los Angeles over last week and moderating a panel on potency and things like that. And there was a gentleman there who had a product, that was a thousand milligrams, Uh, it was a thousand milligram um, edible that he had. And he was very, um, you know, strong entrepreneur, great business guy, you know, I I wish him all the best. Um, The challenge that we had, the panel got heated because there was a question that came out of left field and these people were very serious, very, uh, you're talking about um, state representatives. I mean, it was a very professional group, which is wonderful, but very serious. And they they, they asked him a question and, And I thought about you, Kirk, because you lean on the medical side and you are honest about the medical side. And then you're completely honest also about the recreational side. But this gentleman was trying to pass off a thousand milligram brownie as, you know, something in the form of medicine. And it really was he was like, no, you just break a little piece off and, you know, people can buy it in bulk. And and I was I couldn't help but wonder, oh, my gosh, if I'm trying to get a 10 to 15 to 20 milligram dose out of that brownie, how do I know if it's this thousand milligram brownie sitting in my in my refrigerator? So um, what are your thoughts on the medicinal side of things, and can can edibles be medicine and and how do you navigate that get get that space and giving your customers exactly what they're asking for, same dose homogeneity every time?
2: It can all be done medical like that, and that's what I'm all about. And that brownie right there that you're talking about, look, folks, I'm not knocking a thousand milligram because there are those rare patients out there that can handle a 1,000 milligrams. It's very, very, very rare. But there are people that are out there very sick with illnesses, whether they be in a hospital or hospice, that could handle something like that. Now, to go back to that, as my job as an edible maker, it is my job to make sure that when I hand you something, I'm handing that to you exactly with the potency on there. And let's say, for example, like I have a product out there, and so I'm not trying to move my product. I'll just tell you about it. So if I have a product out there and I have 100 milligrams in it, it's my job and to actually divide that up for them. I mean, when you're eating something and it tastes very good and someone tells you take, well, just take one bite and set it down because that one bite is, you know, and, and whose bite? Is that a little bite? Is that a big bite? Is my mouth bigger than the other person? So, again, that's not a fair way to average something for someone like that. And if you give someone, for example, too much on their very first edible, you're going to scare them because you're going to get them very high and it's going to make them very sick. So, again, it is your job to divide that up. So out of that 100 milligrams, I divide that into four pieces of 25 milligrams because a lot of the people that I'm giving edibles to are a lot of older folks that still need to go to work, but they can't go out to their car and smoke a joint and come back in smelling like weed and everything because their boss is not going to go to that. But you darn sure don't want to give them 100 milligrams at one time or 1,000 milligrams at one time. Or even tell them, you know, just to take a bite here and there, because who's to know? They could take 200 milligrams at a time or 300 and not do their job properly. So that is something that you really need to do as an edible maker is to make sure that you're dividing that up for them. And if you're going to make them a brownie, fine, separate it for them. And how can you tell how much is in that separation that you're doing? By testing facilities. And the best thing about testing facilities And again, some of them are going to vary in variations of strengths and and, and different uh, numbers that they're giving you. And that may be from calibrations. I can't exactly explain that to you. I'm not a scientist. But the best thing about that is, is you do have that rough number. You did go through the steps of making sure that it was tested. And the good thing about having that tested is you made sure that there was no mold and mildew. Hopefully that you had your product tested before that you made that brownie so you knew that. But now that you know that in your strength and you also know that when you're handing that document out to someone where you're distributing those, know that you're using clean, safe medicine and habit testing and dosing for things like that. Because, again, you do not want to over-medicate someone. My God, could you imagine if someone for the very first time who had never done an edible and you're helping a 75-year-old lady who's wanting to go to sleep and you handed her a 1,000-milligram edible... She's not educated. She didn't know what to do. Plus, not only that, it was the sativa, and you didn't tell her that, and she was using that to go to sleep. Boy, you can have one heck of a a situation on your hands, and a good way to avoid, you know, again, dividing these things and have them tested. So that's pretty much about my soapbox on that. I highly suggest if a man is going to put that out there for him, if it's 1,000 milligrams, maybe he should divide that up into 10 pieces, 100 milligrams a piece. I'm not telling not to put the 1,000 milligram out there. Just divide it for them so these people know exactly how much they're taking at one time. That would be my suggestion to it.
1: And what what do your clients come for most often? What, what um, ailments are they trying to get treatment for? What's the most common prescription, if you will?
2: Anywhere from multiple sclerosis to cancer patients to glaucoma patients I work a lot of kids with epilepsy um, Wow, a lot of people dealing with chronic pain like back pain uh, probably a lot of those in surgeries like that and a lot of people I work with are um, getting off opiates you know they're really seeing you know wow you really can do it you know and, and for them you know I'm not a doctor it's not like I'm sitting down and telling them this is how you got to do it um, hopefully taper down but let them know that there are ways that they can do that. So I would have to say probably the ones I work the most with are chronic pain and uh, multiple sclerosis patients and, and patients dealing with cancer, side effects of cancer.
1: Okay, and on the MS side of things, what is a good regimen and what do you find yourself? I mean, obviously there's they have to share, they have to give feedback. You're not a doctor. Um, you're just sharing with them opportunities. What is it, What does a typical protocol look like to alleviate – ms symptoms
2: everyone's different i'm going to say it's kind of like a medication out there so what works for me may not work for you it may not work for the other person as far as their ms goes it's just like that as a medication at one time they were giving me all these shots you know i was taking the uh the shots in the stomach and was on all, all kinds of pills and the, the beta serin and stuff like that and I, I gotta tell you i was having more relapses And of course, at that time, I was still using cannabis. But again, I was having just as many relapses, if not more. And finally, one day, I was just like, you know, like all the other stuff, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to inject this in my body. And I'm going to try going this way with cannabis. And I've done much better going that way. Um, Strains that help with MS is going to vary from person to person, uh, what they're going through, what stage that they're in. I find out for myself, if you're listening out there and wonder what works for me the most, are indicas, um, because I deal with a lot of pain. Um, and so if I can
1: if someone listening, Kirk, I'm sorry to interrupt you. If someone listening to you right now says, look, I want to get in touch with Captain Kirk and I've got a, um, you know, I have MS and I'd love to discuss protocol with him. You'd be happy to have that conversation.
2: Yes, I would love to have that conversation.
1: Okay, in the the way of opioids, uh, what do you, is there anything, I have a friend I just had dinner with, beautiful person, good friend of mine, uh, great mother, wife, um, for some reason things are challenging in her life right now, and her doctor prescribed Xanax, and uh, it's the first time she's taken any kind of uh, medication like that, um, and so I was sitting at dinner with her and I was at a loss, because like, I don't have a suggestion for you, everything that we're doing in Colorado right now, the progress is in micro dosing, but I don't know any more than someone that would come up to me and say, listen, I'm thinking about becoming a vegetarian. I'd say, okay, you really need to research replacing protein. You know, you can't replace a chicken breast with just a cup of broccoli, right? It doesn't work that way. So you need to look into it, understand your body, what ha- what's happening. Um, what is your suggestion for protocol for people who are taking Xanax or painkillers of another sort? Um, and how do they get off of those? And, and and what where would they start with one of your edibles? For example, would I get a a 25 milligram edible if I was taking, you know, 100 milligrams of Xanax or, you know, where do we start?
2: The best way I can always tell you about edibles, remember this, folks, always go low and go slow. You can always build up to your tolerance. The one thing you do not want to do to yourself is sit there and go out and say, oh, I'm going to eat 100 milligrams for my very first time. Because I'm going to tell you, folks, I've used this for a lot of time. And I told you about earlier, all the drugs that I've used in my life. And again, overdosing on cannabis, it's not really overdosing, but using too much. You're not going to die from it. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to, it's just going to make you very miserable for the evening if you eat too much. So again, the rule of thumb, I would say is start low and go slow. Eating five milligrams, look for those edibles out there that, that are breaking that up for you that come in bags. I know I've seen stuff out there in Colorado that comes with like a, 100 gummies, 5 milligrams a piece or something like that. That's a good actual way to start like that. And people can always build up, you know, take it. Find out what 5 milligrams does for you. If you're someone with a very, if you're listening out there and you're like, well, that's not enough. I got a very high tolerance. Look, I understand that. You know, maybe something, if you think you're a big baller and you want to start with a high, uh, high tolerance, if I was you and you don't want to go through that miserable stuff, I would start with about 25 milligrams. See how it does for you. Edibles are not for everyone. Uh, It's a great vehicle. I do understand that. But again, it's like regular medication. It's not for everyone. What works for me may not work for you, may not work for the next person. Because I got a couple of friends in the industry that are very high tolerance in using cannabis. But if they eat an edible, as soon as they take a bite of one, I mean, they're down for the count. They're out. It's just not a good vehicle for them. So, again, if you're going to get into it, and uh, I would say look for Look for edibles that are divided up and always remember that rule of thumb. I'll say it again. Go low and go slow because after 30 minutes to an hour, maybe two hours, depending on how much you ate or what you're feeling like, you can always take more to increase that and see where you're going from there. I so, so appreciate you. Would... Yeah.
1: No, I'm sorry to interrupt okay. you. I so appreciate that for sure. Um, and I appreciate being honest about, you know, there are different types of, uh, of ways to take this. You can do lozengers, tinctures, uh, pills, of course, um, and then edibles. Um, is, there, is there anybody that you know of that's using a certain product that is a lozenger or a tincture or another way to administer it other than an edible that's working for them for symptoms of MS, um, opioid addiction, things like that?
2: I'm actually sitting in the room with a person right now that uses some of my hard candy and uh, definitely helps her with a lot of her anxiety and pain. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that's used out there for a lot of folks. Those are one of the things that's probably one of my best products that I told you folks use at work because, again, it's 100 milligrams to 116 milligrams. It's divided up for you anywhere from 25 to 29 milligrams a piece. And that way you can start with that. And that's a good comfort in the day that you can work with. It's not going to knock you down. It's not going to make you, you know, go to sleep. And the good thing about that is, You know, a lot of stuff right now that I do is with hybrid, but there's a lot of stuff that are out there that's strain specific. So you want to do, you know, folks out there with MS, those are things you want to look for. Just remember, sativas make you uppity up, you know, make you wide awake. And just remember, you know, indicas are couch locks. So that goes back to the story I was telling you earlier. You just want to make sure you educate people because, again, you wouldn't want to give an older person something out there or any person, whether it be older or not into the cannabis you know industry and they're looking for something to help them sleep you want to make sure that you gave them an indica not a sativa and you want to you know educate them about that when they're going into these clubs and they're looking for these medications these are what you want to look for you want to look for indicas and stuff like this if this is what you're wanting to use to manage your sleep at night with so
1: okay so if i'm in in michigan i can swing by and pick up your edibles at the ann arbor health collective the Green Door and Depot Town. Is there anywhere else I can obtain your the hard candy and your edibles and your products?
2: There's actually bloom there in Ann Arbor. There is Michigan organics and Flint. And it's about it right now. You know, again, I'm just one guy trying to take care of everything, so it's hard to do. So that's about the absolutely place well about. I applaud. Pa-
1: yeah, I know. I, I applaud you for that. I hope you hang in there, Kirk. I mean, your your uh, funding is coming. An opportunity for you. I see you as a nationwide brand um, already. Whether you see that or not, I think people listening can get can derive that. I know sometimes you have your head down and you're and you're doing the work, but I can assure you, this is a this is a monster opportunity for you. And I I wouldn't be surprised to see you as one of the one of the first brands to go across the country. I love that your heart's in the right place. You're treating. People, I also love, uh, you're, you're one of the very few people that puts it all together. I know you just said a second ago that you're doing all these things, but you really are doing all these things. You talk about testing, you talk about organic, you talk about pesticides, you talk about what, is, what you're putting in your body. You, you compare it um, to things that, you know, some products that may not be uh, mindful of that. I love that you're, you're also um, a great keeper of the medicinal side of things and you honor the fact that, hey, it's social, recreational is another option as well. Um, let's dive in real quick, and I, we're running out of time here. What is your your best extraction method? I know you teach this, but it's just easier, you know, said than done. But what is your your favorite extraction method, and why?
2: My favorite extraction method is there's many of them. I know there's a lot of concentrate guys out there that are friends of mine that are going to slap me for this, but still, I'm old school, and one of my favorites still every time to make. Or I'll give you my top two. That way, I'm kind of fair. I, I, right now, I do use distillates a lot, but still, and, and pretty much everything that I do, and I still love using in every recipe as much as possible, is making the old school butter. And I like doing the dry ice extractions. But again, different recipes call for everything. And, and I'll give you an example right now. I do like the dry ice extraction, but mm-hmm. that's not something that you would want to use when you're making ice cream, because again, that would probably give you a sandy gritty, you know, kind of thing. That's not the the solvent you would want to use. There's a lot of people that ask me out there, you know, well, what solvents do you use and then how do you use it and things like this. My best advice to you is to go out there, get on the computer, look up the difference between what butter, you know, is the extraction of butter to shatter, to wax, to crumble, to RSO, Rick Simpson oil, to hash oil, to bubble hash. Bubble hash is probably my least favorite to use. Do not get me wrong. Please don't be hating me out there. Uh, it's something I do like in a pipe every now and then, but to use in edibles, I really don't like it because it's very hard to break up. And every now and then you could end up with giving someone a chunk. So those are examples right there. That, that's the best I could tell you. But my top two favorites to use, my very top one is I like to make butter the best of all.
1: Well, opinion. and you're, you're very modest, Kirk, and you, you have a lot of humility, but I will say this, um, you know, it's a, it is an art to remove the cannabis taste and to make these delicious tasting desserts that are homogenous and you get the same exact doses. What you do is actually an art. I understand you teach people, um, but I I imagine most people that take your courses would go, oh, my gosh, this is a lot of work. This is a lot of years of practice. I'm going to go ahead and just purchase the edible. Is that the case most of the time?
2: It is. It's taken me about 10 years to, to give the knowledge out there. I just taught a class this weekend to about 30 people. It's something that I enjoy. It's something that I can help, help them go through because I know the cost. And I've been very fortunate with the growers of Michigan and all the things that I've been through and involved in. I, I've uh, been very, very fortunate to have the amounts of cannabis to go through and work with these things, trial and error throughout the years and the, the 10 years, I, I would say about nine years I've been doing this. And, uh, You know, I'm very fortunate to have that. So again, those are things I like to go out there and teach. And I'm surprised at how many people really still don't know about the simple things, about butter or or dry ice extractions or all the other extractions that they can use. And you know, those are my favorite thing to do is teach them because they're very simple processes that you can do at home and that are safe. You know, you just want to make sure that you're you want to wear a glove when you're doing dry ice. So I enjoy teaching probably the most of all, more than I do cooking.
1: Do you have any classes going or, or are you teaching next or speaking next? What do you, what do you have planned for the rest of the year?
2: Actually, probably the rest of the year I'm going to head out to uh, the Rhode Island cop, uh, check out the Dabadoo out there with the Boston freedom rally. I really don't have much teaching going on. Um, you know, it's pretty much sometimes people will call you up actually in February. I get to go out in to Hawaii and educate out there again. This will be my second year. And uh, that was very, very, very fun. And uh, it's always nice because you'll be amazed at a lot of the things people don't know out there that you and I take for granted that we've learned, you know, through following the things on Facebook or the people that we hang around with or peers that we meet or events that we go to. We're very fortunate. And uh, it's very it's very nice at times to pass on those things that are pe- to people that are Better are so grateful to learn that information you know i I don't do it for the money because let me tell you (laughs) i don't get paid (laughs) i don't get paid for any of it i do it for the joy of it you know i really like that and i guess i shouldn't get i shouldn't say that because this trip going out to hawaii so let me be politically correct they're taking care of me on this one but uh that's probably something i enjoy the most because and there's a lot of people out there in the industry there's good folks like jc green that go on and went out to Hawaii and other places like that, and make sure people have good genetics to start with. And not only are you out there practicing and teaching and educating, but you need to take those things out there to folks that when, you know, you travel around the country and and make sure that they got really good genetics and ways to get to good genetics. And especially when you're working with CBD, if you want to make sure that they've got those good genetics, you've got to go to the right people and, and not worry about those guys with the pocket seeds. Well, I think this is this, and this is that, and, You know, who knows what you're starting with. So as much as I believe in testing and everything out like that, I also believe in starting with good genetics. And there are very great genetics around there out the country now, and uh, the reputable ones that are using testing and and actually showing the results. So those are the kind of people I enjoy working with around the industry.
1: Wonderful. Captain Kirk, we have to wrap up. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, and, and if we're interested in, in, in maybe having you out to, to teach um, some cooking shows and things like that, what's the best way to reach you?
2: Well, I'm kind of old school. and Remember, focus blind due to my MS. So the best way to get a hold of me is either on Facebook or if you can't do that, my email address. It's OK underscore Kirk, K-I-R-K three zero at Yahoo dot com. So, again, that's OK underscore Kirk30 at com, And it takes me a while to read my emails because, again, I'm blind, so I don't read them every day. But I go through there and try and read them. So that's the best way to get a hold of me or my phone number. But I probably don't want to get that out on air because I don't know who I'll be calling me. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: Kirk, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. It truly was an honor. I, I was moved by your story. Um, at the World Cannabis Conference. I love hearing you speak, and it's just a tremendous honor for me to have you on the show today, so thank you very much.
2: Thank you. I'm very blessed for you to give me the time to uh, talk to folks, and uh, I appreciate it. And again, for you folks out there on opiates or, or heroin addiction, please, if no one's reaching out to you and if no one will help you, if you can reach out to me in those two ways that I gave you, I will do my very best to make sure you get help and And uh, God bless you through your journey, folks. And
1: thank you for joining us in this edition of Blunt Business. You can download episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com, BluntBusinessRadio.com, or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and now iHeartRadio. Have an outstanding rest of your week, and we'll see you next week.
3: The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of
2: the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.
3: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone.